Are you running late or running behind? We'll discuss that topic in this episode of 50 Years Later with Jim Bumgardner. Greetings to you all out there in podcast listening land. This is 50 Years Later with Jim Bumgardner. That's me. And I hope you're having a great Tuesday morning, December the 27th, 2022. I know I sure am. And the topic of today is running late or running behind. And there is a distinction, I feel. I've heard it interchanged and used with folks. But I kind of like to explore that because the power of words and what they mean. You know, because again, you can say the same thing many ways, but sometimes when you say them different ways, they do have different meanings, such as when you're running late or when you're running behind. Now, to differentiate the two, I will say the running late for me is a matter of simply oversleeping. Now, those reasons can be something as simple as oopsie, I was a little more tired than I realized, and the alarm didn't get set, so I didn't just wake up naturally, or just the little things like that. Now, running behind, however, now that is a phrase for me that says that you're running behind due to lack of organization. Like, you got up on time, but you couldn't get all your ducks in a row. You had to look for this or look for that or something wasn't dry and you needed to throw it in the dryer real quick or so on and so on. You couldn't find your keys because you forgot where you left them or something along those lines. You see the difference there? Running late is a simple oopsie. Running behind is poor planning. And there's a lot to think about when it comes to that, you know? Again, words do matter. And in this world in which we are pretty much programmed by the little boxes in our hands and the ones on the television, you know, the television screens, the computer screens, and so on. I don't know. For whatever reason, as I was drifting off into dreamland last night, I didn't know exactly where I was going to go with today's episode. And this was the thing that popped into my head. And it's not that this particular morning I find myself running late or behind, but... Uh, I was a little bit, a little more rushed today than I normally am. Woke up on time, a little bit later than I wanted to. I hit the snooze button a couple times. And the reason being is because I was running behind on a little chore I needed to do before I left. Now, mind you, I'm still on pretty good schedule. Lord willing, nothing come between me and my destination of the day job this morning. But I got to thinking about that. And again, it's so important. So ask yourself this, when it comes to certain ways you phrase things in regards to particular obstacles you have, whatever they are, you know, when, again, think about that, running later, running behind. And let's see, where else can we apply that to when it comes to, say, work? When it comes to what you do in your day-to-day job, do you find yourself getting things done as planned when you get there or are you a little bit behind by the end of the day and you just didn't get caught up you're going to have to stay late or come in early the next day hmm and you can apply that to pretty much any situation in life where you're having troubles evaluate it in that manner is it a matter of running late or running behind as far as getting things accomplished as you wanted to get them accomplished 
little food for thought on that one. Because again, words do matter. Because as you say that to yourself, you if you don't evaluate the words you use for your own self-talk, and this isn't about talking specifically negative to yourself. It can also be talking overly positive to yourself. But the main thing is, is make sure that you're not spinning yourself in either direction and just being very straightforward in what you're doing. Like for me this morning, eh, I hit the snooze button a little much and I did have a little chore I needed to do that I could have done last night, but decided no, I'd wait. But it was one of those things that I absolutely had to do before I went to work. It was most certainly, um, I couldn't put it off. It had to happen before I went. And so it just put me in, I had that little bit of a sense of a rush, uh, not in a good rush way, but in a hurry. That's a better see. Once again, words matter, rush versus hurry. And I don't know, just a little food for thought for you today. I'm going to kind of go off, uh, I don't know, not exactly a, I don't know, this is, I'm just kind of spinning off now. We're taking the exit. Here you are. Are you ready? So we're veering off the highway onto this particular exit here where at this time I do want to recommend to you to give a try and I have absolutely no personal financial stake in this game there is no link to this particular thing I'm going to suggest to you I just really want you to excuse me and I'll explain why Um, the thing I want to recommend anyone listening to this program is Iconic the streaming platform for David Icke, or from David Icke, and the Icke family, that hosts a lot of alternative media programs, documentaries, and series. Now, right now, go to davidike.com, D-A-V-I-D-I-C-K-E.com, and click on Iconic. From there, you can get a seven-day free trial of Iconic, the streaming platform. And... Give it a go. And the reason that I'm putting it out there is, again, it's always a matter of perspective. Like, when you know, you may not know who David Icke is. And I'm going to leave it as David Icke is a philosopher. That's it. He's got a background in broadcasting. He has a background as an author. He's written some very thought-provoking books that will fall under the banner of conspiracy and conjecture only by those who feel the need to use those terms of conspiracy or conjecture. They can also be considered under the realm of alternative thinking, alternative perspectives. Now, if you want to call that conjecture and conspiracy, feel free. But one of the things about David Icke and his works that have been very enlightening for me is that when I was first introduced to David Icke 30 years ago, uh, or yeah, a little less than 30 years ago, because he's only, well, anyway, that doesn't matter, it's semantics right now. Uh, but three decades ago, when I was first turned on to David Icke and I saw some of his work, Um, I was of that conspiracy and conjecture mindset in a lot of ways just because I found it interesting and it was a matter of asking why when most folks wouldn't. That was just in my nature as a broadcaster, as a journalist. And so I had an appreciation for that aspect, but his perspectives at the time to me were so far out there. 
that I was like, come on, okay, whatever. However, I never really looked away. Kind of put it towards the back of my mind, but it was always there. And then I'd dip my toe into particular articles or books that he had written along the way, videos that were out and about, and I'd watch and listen. And the more that I did, though, and the more that I saw how his approach worked in regards to connecting dots versus just a dot, it all started going. I started. I had to like go. This this guy really is doing something good here, and very impressive. More and more as we go, and then as the world continued to turn the way it was turning, and this is before it broke in 2020, before it broke. The things and how he was putting forth information in regards to the state of global affairs, you would have to start, again, if you were a slave to the terms conspiracy and conjecture, you'd have to really start questioning your own definitions because what he was saying was true. They were very, uh, they were very knowledged observations. That's because, at his core, he was a journalist and a researcher. And as a journalist and researcher, he was putting together a lot of very strong and powerful reports that were simply not being touched in the mainstream media cycles at all. And that's important. Critical thinking. That's what investigative journalism really is. The final product is the story, but to get to it, it does involve critical thinking. So, I can go on and on about that, but do you think about that right there, and put critical thinking applied to what I just said about critical thinking, and you'll be well on your way to a better understanding of what you think you know, okay? And I'm not saying you don't know anything or that you know it all. I'm simply saying that critical thinking is something that is missing in today's society. People are so fast to hop on a side. And again, I keep saying this, and this is one of those things that I can't help but really appreciate as far as what my experience is here in this 50-year cycle that I've been so far, is critical thinking and really examining multiple sides of an issue and perspectives of an issue would make the world a better place. I've watched, you know, okay, say since 2020 and everything that we've seen in regards to the main debates in regards to what was being done with lockdowns and restrictions and medical practices or the lack thereof and the way it was being portrayed in the mainstream media versus the way it was being portrayed in the alternative media, you, boy, you would have some, uh, it, it just people would just group to one or the other, period, with no looking at the middle ground there between the two. What are they saying that, that's different? What are they saying that's the same and why in both instances? And... I think if people... See, everybody... I, you know, this argument nowadays when it comes to what's happening with Elon Musk and Twitter and free speech... Well, again, free speech, what is the point if you're not using that speech for 
a, um, a constructive criticism observation of everything going on. And that's why for me personally, when it comes to all this with the Twitter files and uh, the Twitter Elon Musk drama on the whole, I don't care. Why? Because I sniffed that out a long time ago before Elon said a word about buying it. And then before he did, now all these Twitter files. It didn't take a rocket scientist using just a little bit of critical thinking to see what was going on with social media platforms and controlled speech. I won't call it censorship. To an extent, it is censorship, but not 100%. Because if it was true censorship, then everyone would have been shut down for saying things. Not everyone was. It was kind of hit or miss. As far as like what you what would get you on the naughty list if you said certain things. I know on I know personally, now this is before all this happened, we're looking at like twenty I guess it was twenty seventeen into eighteen, I started noticing the shadow banning effects on Facebook. I watched numbers of my audience disappear quickly that went against all logic as far as what I was doing with the content I was creating. It did not add up or make sense. And then the real world input I was getting from people who had been viewing the content were like, oh, why aren't you doing that anymore? I'm like, I am doing that every single night. Why aren't you seeing it? And that was the big tip-off that, yes, shadow banning was a real thing. But then I also know that when we got to 2020, uh, I like I say, I started pulling away from social because I saw what was happening with myself and interacting with people that we didn't share the same perspective on the situation. And I found myself getting more and more angry, bitter, and vile in my speech. And that wasn't good. I was getting too passionate in my position. And so were they. That it really was getting to the point where it's like, you know, if we continue this line of thought, and you're serious, and I'm serious, if we happen to cross paths in the real world, I don't think you're going to be fortunate enough just to look down and away, and we're going to talk about this, and it may get very heated. That wasn't good, so I pulled away. <laughs> and that wasn't just in newsy stuff, it was in general topics and hobbies altogether. Very toxic. Very, very toxic. The whole damn thing. And that's why right now I say to you, be very careful about social media, its usage, and so on. You can believe you can have one more drink, but I assure you, you're going to wind up just as drunk and passed out in the gutter before you know it. I can't stress that enough. But anyway, getting back to why I'm suggesting to you to go try the iconic platform, the streaming service for the seven-day free trial, and look around in there. And it's not just a, you know a David Icke fest. Nope, not at all. There's a lot of other great documentaries that can open your eyes to things that you probably have never heard of. Check them out. There's some interesting topics out there from healing and wellness to consciousness. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Alternative history, today's news from a different perspective, from a lot of different sources. 
And in doing so, and in opening your eyes and your mind to the thoughts that are being presented, go the next step. Don't simply be lazy and say, well, that's just crazy. That's just conspiracy or conjecture. Look it up. See who's right. You know, see more of the, we'll say, the right side of things versus a watered-down basic side of things that are just accepted in a narrative that's being told to you with you without you questioning it. That's another thing I find very interesting, and, and I applaud David Icke for in regards to the information and content that he puts out, is he's the first to tell you, look it up. Look it up. And fact check him. Because it matters. And you won't get that from the mainstream. They never tell you to go fact check. They tell you to listen to the fact checkers, but not to actually do the homework yourself. And that's a shame. That's a very big, big, big shame. And that's where we have a lot of the problems that we have now. Now, that can also be applied to the alternative media because in the past few years, say about the past three years, there's been explosive growth in the alternative media world becoming something that actually has legs and weight. It's not just discussions held in the shadows. We're talking about mainstream audiences numbers okay you look at someone like a like a Joe Rogan for instance Joe Rogan's millions of listeners every day those are mainstream numbers but who is he really he's just a guy who was an actor and comedian and then the UFC stuff you know that's what he did but he knows how to hold a good conversation an interesting conversation and that's what works and he's free of any particular just genre or, or subsection. He goes a million... The Joe Rogan experience. See, I appreciate that use of that word. It's the Joe Rogan. It's Joe Rogan's experience. He just happens to be sharing it with you, which is similar to what I'm doing here. I didn't really intentionally plan to say... Well, I didn't intentionally go into this with that as, you know, as my model, a Joe Rogan experience model... But the Joe Rogan experience as a model is pretty much a tried and true method, like Seinfeld, to where it's a show about nothing but everything all at the same time. Interesting stories and people, situations and places abound. So I don't know. But to all of that point, I've seen now in the past six months watching both the mainstream and the alternative and bouncing back and forth a lot learning from news sources mainly on the alternative side because as far as the mainstream goes it's pretty much locked you're not going to add anything there you've got the original big three of ABC, NBC and CBS their offshoots and then the offshoots that come by way of CNN and Fox that's it you've just got that handful Again, they may have some offshoots, but they're all from the same root, so it's not really any different. So there's really nothing that's going to add to that mainstream voice. But then when you look on the alternative side, you've had some, such as Alex Jones with InfoWars, and then you've got... I mean, his is really the biggest voice out there. He's built an incredible platform 
on that side of questioning things. But one of the problems when you just have that one bigger alternative source is they can get cocky. But they, which is, and being cocky is never good. However, it's example of showing how you can also utilize that free speech that you have in the United States of America, allegedly, to do the same thing. Hopefully with the intent of doing something good and broadening broadening a discussion and points of order and things to consider. Uh, More so than just being spoon-fed what is coming across that mainstream. But, like any tool, things can be abused. A hammer is fantastic for building a house. But it can also be used to do some very atrocious things to a human body. It's all in how you use the tool. The internet was a fantastic tool to, again, connect the world. But what happens when you're connected? What happens when you feel you have something to say and more people should listen to you? Well, that's not necessarily bad. But when you get to the point where your the dopamine hits that come by way of doing these things to where you know you would love to be that 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 influencer with a million followers that chomp at the, chomp on the bit at everything you say so you in turn are making all kinds of money and fame and this that and the other that while you're shooting for that big one million number you can get enough of a high off of 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people to where you can get blinded by that sense of power. Because that's really what it boils down to. And you've, you must be aware. That's the key to getting past and through it is being aware of how these things will impact you. And most people don't get it. And that's where you saw what I will call the mental illness and disorder that has grown in people since the advent of social media. They've really gotten to feel so self-important when the reality is we're not. None of us. On an individual level, we're great. But to the collective, we're only as important as we drive people to purchase things on those platforms or by way of those platforms. Just that's just a fact of the matter, okay? Um, those thousand, ten thousand, one hundred thousand people who liked or shared a comment, video, or graphic that you put out there, or, or blog, or whatever, uh, they're not your friends, okay? Understand that. That's where people, I think, got really screwed up because in starting out with the idea of these people you're connecting with on social media, even people, real people that you've known in the real world, you're not, they're not really your friends there. They're not. And that's a terrible truth, but one you need to understand. Because when you believe someone is your friend, if your friend does something that hurts your feelings, it hurts really deep. But when you accept that the content that you put out there on the internet, on social media, 
is going out to an audience. Your best friend in the real world, listening, reading, viewing any of your stuff on online, is just another member of the audience. Keep it that way. Why? Because that's the reality of the situation. Because how do you feel? Think about it like this. Say you post anything anywhere, whatever it is. You thought it was brilliant. You thought it was funny, whatever. You post it. But then you notice that as it's getting all the handful of likes from people you don't really know, when you see that your friend, real world friend, didn't acknowledge it, how do you feel towards that friend now? You answer that for yourself. But then understand that the real world friend didn't didn't smite you. They just were doing something else at the moment. And I think that's a big root of a lot of the true problems that come for people from social media and that type of engagement. Even if you're not the influencer type, and that's not your goal, but you are interacting in a quote-unquote cyber public square. And as such, say you're anywhere in a public square setting, if you say something, you want to be acknowledged. And if you're not, you get mad. Well, on that in that realm, you're, you're competing with a lot of different eyeballs out there and are competing for a lot of different eyeballs. And that's so unhealthy. So unhealthy. In the traditional broadcasting world, that was the job. That was the job. That was the expectation. The average consumer of that content, radio, television, print, didn't think about it. They just consumed it and went on, just whatever. But when you're the creator of a willy-nilly Wild West world that is the online stuff, you you can really... And you're not... I don't want to say trained, but you go into the business with the understanding of what the business is. Social media, you didn't understand that that's what the business was that was happening there. You just thought it was a fun place to share photos of your food and your cat. But... I don't know. I I stress that a lot because I see that in the real world, that ramification of what happens when people get so addicted to the dopamine and that false sense of fame. But going back to where I was in that line of thought is you were shooting for the million, but then you only wind up with 10. Well, then you're going to get to a point where one of the two, one of two things are going to happen. You're going to get very disappointed and quit, or you're going to inflate the value of the 10. And neither one of them are healthy per se. The first one actually, just walking away and giving up on it, is far more healthier than inflating the importance of the 10. If your goal is to be the one with a million. And that's where it's important to establish what you truly expect out of doing this content creation thing online. What do you expect? Now, as you figure out what you expect, factor in the reality of what you should really expect in regards to other human beings responding in kind the way you wish. Because odds are, they're not gonna. Just because they've got lives to live to. Even if it is all on social even if it is all on the internet. 
because it's a big pool, man. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, but I do want you to think about thinking. And a great place to think about thinking is by way of the iconic alternative media streaming, streaming media platform. You can find out more at davidike.com, click on Iconic, and start your seven-day free trial that you can either access on your phone, on your PC, on your laptop, through the Roku platform. And uh, But give it a go just to open your mind up a little bit. Again, for me, the new year started yesterday. For many, they're going to use the calendar as the way to kick it off and move forward with new ideas and ambitions and goals and resolutions. But the one that I would suggest for everyone is to open your mind to a different point of view. Doesn't mean you have to to believe it. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Uh, Doesn't mean you have to accept it and play nice with it. But just open your mind to it and see exactly how fragmented, well, excuse me, how compartmentalized you may have become because of the narratives that are being put in your face rather forcefully that you may not even realize. Just saying. Anyway, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yay! Running later, running behind. Well, right now, as you can see, I ran this particular episode long because I wasn't really running late nor running behind at the end of the day because I've still got a little bit of time before I get to where I go where I need to do what I gotta do until things change anyway uh, have a great day everyone I do hope you enjoy this episode Uh, again I'm looking to grow this thing organically and to do that means that I'm leaning on you to do the, the liking comment and sharing if you got something out of this podcast please do that Uh, something to talk about be it something positive you take away from it positive from my perspective that you liked it or you thought it made you think about something or something negative from my perspective that you're like this guy is an idiot I'm good with that too because at the end of the day think what you want that's the whole point 50 years later with Jim Bob Gardner have a great one